Nora Roberts, Morgan's Cross, page six. The power of your blood will mix with mine, and we will rule this world and all others. She threw back her head, posed to strike with all his grief, with all his rage. Hoyt struck her heart with his staff. The sound that ripped from her pierced the night, screamed up through the storm and joined it. It wasn't human, not even a howl of a beast. Here was a demon who had taken his brother, who hid her evil behind cold beauty, who bled. He saw a stream of blood spilled from the wound without a heartbeat. She threw and flew back into the air, twisting, shrieking. Lightning tore at the sky. The words he needed to say were lost in horror as she wreathed in the air and the blood that fell steamed into filthy fog. You would dare, her voice gurgled without rage, with pain. You would use your puny, your pitiful magic on me? I have walked this world a thousand years. She slipped her hand over the wound, threw out her bloody hand. And when the drop struck Hoyt's arm, they sliced like a knife. Lilith, you are cast out. Lilith, you are vanquished from this place by my blood. He pulled the dagger from beneath his cloak, scored his pawn by the blood of the gods that run through it. By the power of my birth, I cast you back. What came at him seemed to fly across the ground and struck with the feral force of fury, tangled as they crashed across the cliff and jagged ledge below. The waves of pain and fear, he saw the face of the thing that so closely mirrored his own, the face that had once been his brother's. Well, he could smell the death on him and the blood, and he could see in those red eyes the animal his brother had become. Still a small flame of hope flickered in Hoyt's heart. Help me stop her. We have a chance. Do you feel how strong I am? His brother said, closing his hand around Hoyt's throat and squeezed. It's only the beginning. I have forever now. He leaned down, licked the blood from Hoyt's face, almost playfully. She wants you for herself, but I, I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. And the blood in you is mine after all. As he bared his fangs and pressed them to his brother's throat, Hoyt thrust the dagger into him. With a howl, his brother reared back, shocked, and pain rushed over his face. Even as she clutched the wound, he 
fell for an instant. Hoyt thought he saw his brother, his true brother. Then there was nothing but screams of the storm and the slashing rain. He crawled and he clawed his way up the cliff, his hands slippery with blood and sweat and rain, grouped for any hope. Lightning illuminated his face, tight with pain, as he inched his way up the rock, tore his fingers in the climb, his neck where the fangs had scraped and burned like brand. Breathe, whistling, he clutched at the edge. If she waited, he was dead. His power had waned with exhaustion, drained with the ravages of his shock and grief. He had nothing but a dagger, still red with his brother's blood. But when he pulled himself up, when he rolled on his back with the bitter rain washing over his face, he was alone. Perhaps it had been enough. Perhaps he had sent the demon back to hell. And he had surely seen his own flesh and blood, a damnation. Rolling over, he gained his hands and knees, and he was viciously ill. Magic was ashes in his mouth. He crawled to his staff, used it to help him stand, breathe, kneeing, he staggered away from the cliffs. Along the path he had known had been blinded. The power had gone out of the storm as it had gone out of him, and now was merely a soaking rain. He smelled home, horse, hay, the herbs he'd used to protection. The smoke from the fire he left smoldering in the hearth, but there was no joy in it, no triumph. Page 8 As he limped towards his cottage, his breath whistled out, hissing of pain that were lost in the rise of wind. He knew if the thing that he had taken his brother come home or come in for now, he was lost. Every shadow, every shade cast by the storm tossed the trees could be his death. Worse than his death, fear of that slicked along his skin like dirty ice, so that he used what strength he had to murmur incantations that were more like prayers for whoever or whatever would listen. His horse stirred in his shelter, let out a huff as it scented him, but Hoyt continued shakily to a small cottage, dragging himself into the door, and though he was tired, he made it through. And inside was warmth and the ripple of the spells he'd cast before he'd gone to the cliffs. He barred the door, leaving smears of his and his brother's blood on the wood. Would it keep her out, he wondered, if he lure 
he would read was fact. She couldn't enter without an invitation. All he could do was have faith in that and in the protection spell that surrounded his home. He let his soaked cloak fall, let it lay in a sodden heap on the floor, and had to fight not to join it there. He would mix potions for healing, for strength, and he would sit through the night and in the fire waiting for dawn. He done all he could for his parents, his sisters, and their families. He had to believe it was enough. His brother was dead, and what had come back with his face, a form that had been destroyed. He would not, could not harm them now, but the thing that had made him could. He would find something stronger to protect them, and he would hunt the demon again. His life, he swore it now, would be dedicated to her destruction. His hands long, a finger wide of palm, their tremulous, as he chosen his bottles and pots, his eyes stormy blue were glazed with pain, the aches of the body of his heart, guilt weighed on him like a shroud of lead, and those demons played inside him. He hadn't saved his brother, instead he had damned and destroyed him, cast him out and away. How had he won that terrible victory? His brother had always been physically superior to him, and what his brother had become was viciously powerful. So his magic had vanquished what he had once loved, the half of him that was bright and impulsive, where he had made himself was often dull and stayed, more interested in his studies and skills than society. His brother had been the one for gaming and taverns and for winches and sport. His love of life, Boyd murdered as work. His love of life killed him. I only destroyed what trapped him in a beast. He had to believe it. Pain rippled up in his ribs and he shrugged off his tunic. Bruises were already spreading and creeping up his back. Over his skin, the way the guilt and grief crept black over his heart. It was time for practical matters, he told himself as he applied the bomb. He fumbled considerably cursed violently in the wrapping of the bandages over his ribs. Two were broken, he knew. He just knew the ribbon in the back and the home in the morning would be a study in sheer misery. He took the potion, then limped to the fire. He added turf so that the flames glowed red over the brewed tea, then wrapped himself in a blanket to sit to drink, to brood. He had been born with the gift, and from an early age had slobberedly sought to honor it. He studied often in solitude, practicing his art, learning its scope. His brother's powers had been less, but Holt remembered he had never practiced so righteously nor studied so earnestly and his brother had played magic after all 
amusing himself and others. And seeing had sometimes drawn in him lowered Hoyt's resistance until they had done something foolish together. Once they turned the boy who pushed their younger sister into the mud into a betraying, long-eared ice. The brother had laughed. It had taken Hoyt three days of work, sweat, and panic to reverse the spell, but seeing had never worried a white. He was born an ass after all. We've just given him his true form. From that time, they'd been 12. His brother had been more interested in swords and spells, just as well as Hoyt thought as he drank the bitter tea. He had been irresponsible with magic and the magician with the sword but still hadn't saved him, nor had magic in the end. He sat back, chilled to the bones, and despite the simmering turf, he could not hear what was left in the storm blowing, still spattering on his roof, wailing through the forest surrounded his cottage. But he heard nothing else, not a beast, not a threat, so was left alone with his memories and regrets. He should have gone with his brother into the village that day, but he had been working and hadn't wanted ale or the smells of a tavern of people. He hadn't wanted a woman, and his brother had never wanted one. But if he had gone, if he had put aside his work for one bloody night, his brother would be alive. Surely the demon wouldn't have, couldn't have overpowered both of them. Surely his gift would have allowed him to sense the creature was there despite her beauty, her lure, and his brother would never have gone with her to, and his brother had been at his side, and their mother would not be grieving, the grave would never have been dug, and by the gods the things that buried would not have risen. If his powers could turn back time, he would give them up to have one night to relive that single moment when he had chosen work over his brother's company. This was page 10. We will resume page 11 tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned.